readily consider what freedom costs. Our video that we just saw showed a bit of what freedom costs on the spiritual level. But in a practical level, when you think about us even as a nation, many a soldier has lost their life in the battle for our freedom. Not just losing their life physically, but their lives have been altered and changed forever. Uh, many families have mourned, mourned that loss. We're going to celebrate Veterans Day here, and we are grateful. Others have sacrificed their families to ensure the safety and security of this nation, and so we should be grateful. When we think about freedom, we should be appreciative of all of those who have given so much for our freedom. And also, when you think about this, there is one, that's the second paragraph in your outline there, there is one who made the ultimate sacrifice for our spiritual freedom. Jesus died to set sinners free from the bondage of sin and death. Our culture is in the condition it is, not because of who is in power, but because of who is on the throne of of our hearts. I want to say that again. Our culture is in the condition it is not because of who is in power, but because of who's on the throne of our hearts. Hear me when I say this, church. Apart from the gospel, there is no freedom. And where there is no freedom, there is no flourishing. And so if we are not walking in freedom, if we have not been set free by Christ, if we have not experienced the delivering power that he brings into our lives, we're never going to flourish the way that God wills. We're never going to be fruitful the way that God wills. We will never see change in our nation, in our families, in our communities without the liberating power of the gospel. And so I want you to think about this this morning. The freedom the world needs can only be found in the gospel we bring. The freedom the world needs can only be found in the gospel we bring. Why do I say that? Because I want you to understand, I could have simply said, the freedom the world needs can only be found in the gospel. I didn't say it because it rhymes a little bit. I mean, that's one thing. I I like that. But here's the thing I want you to realize, is that the gospel is here. It is present. The gospel is there. But if we don't bring the gospel to the world, guess what will never happen? They will never experience freedom. And so if you really want to see freedom, you really want to see deliverance, you really want to see change, then my encouragement, my admonishment to you is that you get in in tune with and that you get or that you are about the Father's business, which is sharing the gospel with this world that desperately needs it. Because the freedom that God wants to offer is going to come through you and I. You know what the Bible tells us? The Bible tells us that we are ambassadors. We are ambassadors of Christ. We are ambassadors. We are representatives of Christ in this world. And if we, and and as ambassadors, we are ministers of reconciliation. And so the Apostle Paul is speaking on this, and he is talking about this reconciliation. What does reconciliation mean? It means to bring back healing. It means to heal a relationship that was broken. There is brokenness. There is separation. And so when the Bible speaks of reconciliation, it is talking about us. Us being brought back into a relationship with God. And what we realize, we celebrate this every, every, every time we do communion, is that our sin has separated us from God. The only reason why you and I are able to worship God in confidence and it mean anything is because of the sacrifice that Jesus Christ made. Because of the body that was broken for us. Because of the blood that was shed for us. Now we are able to engage with God in a meaningful 
meaningful way. We're able to engage with God in a way that we know that he hears us, that we know that he listens to us, and that we know that we are in a relationship with him, not because of how we feel, but because of what he's done because of what he has promised, because of what he has declared to us. And Jesus came to set us free. And so we realize that this same freedom that you and I know, this freedom that brought us back into a relationship, that reconciled us to God, is the same freedom that God wants to bring to this world and offers all of those who will bow their hearts, who will repent of their sin, who will trust in Jesus Christ, the only way to salvation. The first thing I want to ask you to repeat after me is this. Say, freedom comes as we follow the Holy Spirit. And so we're going to look at um, verses 1 through 5 at the end of the sermon today. But today, but, but right now we're going to jump into the next verse here. But what we realize just looking at this verse really quick is that what we have is we have the, the beginning of the second missionary journey of the Apostle Paul. And so the first missionary journey the Apostle Paul went on, he went with Barnabas. They went, they preached, they ministered, planted churches. And then you see in chapter 15 that there was this sharp disagreement. And I love the way the Bible shows that because it's not afraid to talk about the fact that men are going to disagree sometimes. And they had this sharp disagreement over, over Mark, who I believe was, was Barnabas' nephew or something like that. They had a disagreement because Paul was like, I don't want to bring him with us. Why? Because on the first missionary journey, he decided to leave. We don't know why Mark left, but he did. And Paul said, nope, I don't want to bring him. They had a sharp disagreement about it to the point that Paul said, you know what? You go one way, I'll go another way. That's what we're going to do. We're going to continue to advance the gospel. And then chapter 16 brings us in. We know at the end there that it says that he chose Silas and that the brethren gave him the right hand of fellowship and the blessing and said, go. So Paul and Silas go on the second missionary journey. And as they go on the second missionary journey, God does some amazing things. The apostle Paul and Barnabas, I mean, and Silas are used to minister in a great way. And they pick up this young man by the name of Timothy. We'll get back to Timothy at the end of the sermon. But here's what I want you to look at, verse 6. Verse 6 says, now... When they had gone through Phrygia and the regions of Galatia, they were forbidden by the Holy Spirit to preach the word in Asia. Now that always messes with me because I'm thinking like, why would God forbid you from speaking the word anywhere? Didn't Jesus send us? Isn't that what he did? Say amen. Yes, that's what he did. His last words were to go ye therefore into all the nations, right? Baptizing, preaching, teaching those to observe. Well, I mean, he makes it crystal clear. We are sent. The gospel of John makes it clear what? That God is a sending God, right? Who sent Jesus and Jesus sends us. And yet we read here in the scriptures that the Holy Spirit, the third person of the Trinity, he does what? He forbids them to preach the word of God in some place. That doesn't make sense to me. Nonetheless, God has wisdom that is beyond ours. It goes on and says in verse 7, he says, After they had come to Mysia, they tried to go into um, Bithynia, but what? The Spirit did not permit them. Now, wait a second. We have one time that the Holy Spirit is like forbidden, and then the Spirit doesn't permit them to go somewhere else. What was my point? My point was freedom comes as we follow the Holy Spirit. God surely has given us a mandate. Let's go on. So passing on by Mysia, they came down to Trous, and a vision appeared to Paul in the night. A man of Macedonia stood and pleaded with him, saying, come over to Macedonia and help us. Now, after he had seen the vision, immediately 
We sought to go to Macedonia, including that the Lord had called us to preach the gospel to them. I just want to point something out for you, for you guys that like reading the Bible and studying it and stuff. Notice that the word here in verse 10, he says, now after he, speaking of Paul, had seen the vision, immediately we say we. The reason why that's important is because we see here that Luke is injecting himself into the conversation. He's injecting himself into the narrative because now he's saying we. Remember, Luke is the writer of the book of Acts, and he's saying, and we immediately did this. So now we know that, that, that everything that we're seeing here are things that Luke has witnessed to himself, and that's what he's communicating to us regarding Paul. He says, so we sought to go to Macedonia in concluding that the Lord had called us to preach the gospel to them. Therefore, Sarah from Trous, we ran a straight course to Samothrace, and the next day came to Neapolis, and from there to Philippi, which is the foremost city of that part of, of Macedonia, a colony. And we were there staying in that city for some days. And on the Sabbath day, we went out of the city to the riverside where prayer was customarily made. And so let me pause for a moment, because Paul and his companions, so that would include Timothy, that would include Luke, and whoever else was with them on this journey, they come here into this city and what do they do they go to this place where it says customarily prayer was made and so there was that was apparently a gathering of people who knew something about prayer something about God and worship and so they would gather there and so what does Paul do Paul goes with his companions and they go to that place and we sat down and spoke to the women who met there now a certain woman named Lydia heard us she was a seller of purple from the city of Thyatira who worshiped God. The Lord opened her heart to heed the things spoken by Paul. And when she and her household were baptized, she begged us, saying, If you have judged me to be faithful to the Lord, come to my house and stay. So she persuaded us. The point is, freedom comes as we follow the Holy Spirit. There's one thing that we've seen. I love, I mean, you guys know I love the book of Acts. Uh, I love chapter 16. It's got to be one of my favorite texts of Scripture. And, one, and, and there's something that we see here that marks this chapter. And I believe that we see the, the, the discerning of spirits, that gift of the discerning of spirits, of knowing what spirit is in operation in that moment. You see, we have to be able to be sensitive to know when God is leading us and when our own hearts are leading us. Or when there is another spiritual influence that is there that that may be demonic or may be the enemy. We have to be able to discern that. And if we don't have that gifting, if we're not asking God for that wisdom, we may follow the wrong direction in the wrong moments. But we find the Apostle Paul not only with this gift here, but we also see something else, a real passion to preach the gospel. We see that the Apostle Paul was, was wanting, I mean, when you think about this, those verses that I paused on in verse 6 and verse 7, one that says that they were forbidden, it's almost like to me, you think about it, when the Holy Spirit forbids, it's like you were trying to move in that direction, right? Like, like, like that's how God would forbid you. Like he would communicate, no, don't do that, because you wanted to go that way, because there would be no need to forbid you if you weren't. You know why I think this way? It's because Paul was a guy that was all in about the gospel. He was a guy that everywhere he went, I mean, you read like through the book of Philippians, and we look at Philippians here, Philippi. This is when the church of Philippi was born and planted. And, he, and, he, and, and in the book of, of Philippians, he talks about the fact that there are some people that are preaching the gospel out of jealousy and different reasons, and Paul doesn't get mad about it. He's like, hey, I'm glad the gospel's being preached. You know why? Because the gospel has power despite whoever's <laughs> preaching it. Hello, somebody. 
If it is the true gospel, those people may be preaching it for the wrong reasons, but guess what? God is able. Listen, if God could use a donkey, he could use anyone. Hello. And so we know that Paul was all in about the gospel. And yet what we find about him is this, is that he did not allow his passion for the gospel. Hear me when I say this. He didn't allow his passion for the gospel to overwhelm or to overpower his passion to love God with all of his heart. You see, Paul understood something. I have a mandate to preach the gospel. Yes, he knew that. He had a mandate to be a disciple maker. Yes, he knew that. He was a missionary that was moved by God. But you know what he wanted to do? He wanted to make sure that everything that he did, that he did for the glory, for the honor of God, and in the timing of God. Church, let me say this really quickly because I want you to know two things. Number one is that I think more people need to open their mouth and need to be quiet about the gospel. Let me be clear about that. I think more people need to be moved to speak the gospel and, and, and they, they, instead of just being quiet. The second thing I don't want you to think that I'm saying, because I am not saying this, is that you need to wait for a vision from God to preach the gospel to someone. Are you here? That's not what I'm saying. All right? I, I don't want you to read this and hear me say, well, I got to be led by the Holy Spirit. I didn't feel led by the Spirit today. Hold on a second. Let me ask you a question. When you, see, because Paul had a vision which shows me that he was consulting with the Lord. He was like, God, what do you want me to do? Lord, where do you want this gospel to go? God, who is the one whose heart you have been preparing? And you know what God led him to? God led, God led him to a woman by the name of Lydia. You know what the scripture says? The scripture says, now check this out. Lydia was praying before Paul preached the gospel to her. You know what that means? That means that Lydia was like Cornelius, who was a worshiper of God, even before the gospel came. Her heart was already prepared for that. Hence, the reason why God is able to open her heart, because she is surrendered. She is already seeking after God, the same way Cornelius was. He was a worshiper of God. He didn't have the full understanding of the gospel, and he needed it. And you know what God does? God says, I was preparing this woman of influence for you to go and minister to her. And these other women that are praying, because they don't even talk about any men there in this moment, but these women that are praying, I'm going to bring you over there so you can preach the gospel to them. Church, we need to be led by the Spirit of God. If you and I, listen to me now, if you and I will be learned to follow God's Spirit into the mission, we will see more fruit in spite of the opposition. Did you hear that? If we will follow God's Spirit, we will learn to follow God's Spirit into the mission, we will see more fruit despite, in spite of the opposition that is there. How many of you know that there's plenty of opposition to the gospel in our day? You know that, right? Not everybody's open to the gospel. Not everybody wants to talk about Jesus. Uh, this, this, this thing, I'm reading one of the books and, and one of the classes that I'm taking right now on spiritual warfare. And one of the things that the writer is talking about in the second chapter of the book on spiritual warfare is the thing that the enemy comes and attacks. And one of the things that the enemy comes to attack in our lives is our assurance of our salvation. Our assurance of our salvation. And he wants us to not be sure of us being saved. He wants us to not be sure of what God has done in our lives. And so we have to to be able to know, wait, wait a second, what has Jesus done? What has Jesus done for us? What has Jesus done in our hearts? What has he done in our lives? The enemy is opposed to the gospel going forward. And here's what I know, is that when you and I learn to follow the spirit of God's leading, when you and I begin to seek the Lord and, 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 and for his will and his purpose, he will lead us clearly to those ones he's been dealing with their hearts. 
He will lead us clearly to those ones who has been dealing with their hearts, dealing with their lives. And in the book, as I, was, as I was telling you, in the book, there's one thing that he says, and he talks about Jesus. And what he says is this, is he says something to the effect, and I may mess up the quote, but it's something along these lines. Jesus isn't a good way to heaven. Jesus, Jesus isn't the best way to heaven. Jesus is the only way to heaven. There's a difference it's not just about a good way. It's not just about the best way. It's not about our culture wants us to believe that. But you and I have to know, why am I secure? I know who my faith is in. My faith is in the only way. My faith is not in some way. My faith is in the only way. The only Savior, the one who died, the one who rose again, the one who conquered sin and the grave, the one who conquered death for me. My faith is in him, and my faith is stable because of what? Not because of me, but because of the one who holds me in his hand glory to God this morning we were coming to church it was so funny my daughter and I we were my daughter and Josiah and myself we were sitting in the car and as we were getting ready to turn onto the road picking up some ice and she says to me she says she says right now I'm holding your guy's life in my hand and Josiah comes out of nowhere and he says no you're not God <laughs> and I was like Josiah you're so theological huh? he's like what does that mean I'm like you know biblical he's like what does that mean I'm like anyway you quote the Bible and then he started preaching us all the way to church nonetheless the reality is what church the reality is that God holds our life in his hands and we can share this gospel that changes us forever with the world. That's what God has called us to do. But I am, listen, I encourage you, be led by the Spirit. Be led by the Spirit. Wake up every day. What do I mean by being led by the Spirit? Wake up every day praying for those coworkers that don't know Jesus. Praying for those neighbors that don't know Jesus. Praying for those friends, those family members that don't know Jesus. Praying for the places where you know you're going to be in that doctor's office, in that grocery store, at that gas station. Praying for everywhere you're going to go saying, God, lead me to those places, to those people who need to hear your word. Holy Spirit, fill me so I can be used by you to share this life-changing message. Church, don't be silent. Don't wait for a vision. Let God lead you. The scripture tells us what? That, son, that, that we as sons of God will be led by the Spirit of God. Number two, say this with me. Say, freedom comes when praise doesn't blind us. Freedom comes when praise doesn't blind us. And so when we continue on in the text here, look at verse 16 to verse 18. It says this here. It says, now it happened as we went to prayer, so they're going back to this place of prayer, that a certain slave girl possessed with a spirit of divination met us, who brought her master's much profit by fortune telling. This girl followed Paul and us and cried out saying, these men are the servants of the Most High God who proclaim to us the way of salvation. And this she did for many days. But Paul, greatly annoyed, turned and said to the Spirit, I command you in the name of Jesus Christ to come out of her. And he, and, and, and he came out that very hour. Now listen to me. Freedom comes when praise doesn't blind us. I want you to think about this. The spirit of divination was upon this young woman. The scriptures are clear. She was demon-possessed. She was a fortune teller, right? We know this, and so we, we, we see that she had some kind of supernatural power, right? Not supernatural like God, just something that was out of this realm, something that could not be understood, 
She had some kind of power that was operating in her life. Her owner's livelihood depended upon her being possessed. As long as she was possessed, guess what? They were going to be making money because that demon was going to continue to manifest itself in and through her. And let me say this out. Also, Paul's ministry could have been promoted as well. Paul could have said, yep, she's right. Praise God. Yes, she's right. We are here to do that. But, but this agitated the apostle Paul. Remember what I said? The gift of discerning of spirits. He knew what spirit it was. And now when I read some commentaries on this, some people said that she might have been manifesting a certain way or, you know, her body would have been doing something. And I'm just going to tell you this. The Bible is very descriptive. Right? The scriptures talk about when someone, I mean, you read the Gospels and you see that there are descriptions of what um, certain things were happening with people, you know, like the, the demoniac that was at the at, at gatherings, right? The demoniac that was there was, was possessed by, you know, th you know th a legion of demons here. And this guy was there. The scripture tells us clearly, very detailed on what happened with this guy, that he was naked and he would break the chains and everything. I mean, this guy was demon possessed. The scriptures are clear on what he looked like. The scriptures show us when the child who had the epilepsy and he was, you know, falling, it seemed like that. And so he had this demon that was throwing him. Like, you know, the scriptures are clear on those things. Well, in this story, it doesn't tell us that. It's all the scripture says that she cried out. And so you know what it seems to me? Because she wasn't manifesting or anything like that. It's not what the scripture says. It seems to me that she was crying out. Like she was trying to be the herald and it wasn't allowing God to be the herald. Hello. Wasn't allowing the apostle to be the herald. That she was trying to take glory from God. This demon was trying to take glory from God because she wasn't manifesting, right? She wasn't like falling down. It wasn't anything like that. And so what we have here is we see that Paul could have gone out ahead and said, you know what? We're going to go ahead and use that. We're going to use that to promote our message. We're going to use that to promote our ministry. Why is this so important to us? Her affirmation didn't blind him to the spirit that was behind her proclamation. Her affirmation didn't blind him to the spirit behind her proclamation. Church, we have to be really clear. The apostle did what? He brought freedom to a slave girl. And I want you to notice two things. His vision was of a man, but the first two encounters he has is with women who he brings freedom to. He brings freedom through the gospel to Lydia and to these other women that are there. And then the second woman he encounters is who? He encounters this other woman. Now, we know Lydia was a woman of influence. And we know this woman was obviously a woman of influence in the sense that people were coming to her to get their fortune told. People were coming to her. These guys were getting rich off of her demon possession. And so Paul encounters these women. But here's what I want you to get, is that you and I have to ensure that we do not get entangled with the world by allowing the praise of men to blind us to the spirit behind those who are praising us. You see, there's something that really bothers me in our culture today, especially amongst Christians, is that we seem to be seeking the affirmation of the world rather than the affirmation of God. We seem to be more concerned with the world saying we're loving, we're gracious, we're kind, we're merciful than we are about loving our brothers the way that Christ tells us to love each other. We're more concerned about hearing the world give us accolades in their tweets or in their posts or in their journals or wherever it is. Church, let me tell you something. Jesus made it abundantly clear that if the world hated him, they would hate you. So, don't, so listen, be careful 
When, when, when those who don't want the gospel, when those who don't want salvation, when those who think that Jesus is a good way, but he's not the only way, don't listen. Be careful when you start listening to their praise like their praise should really matter. Listen, no, but no man's praise of us should matter more than the praise that we should seek from God. We want God to say, that's my son, that's my daughter, that's my child, that's my representative, that's my voice, even if that's us going to jail, even if that's us dying for the faith, no matter what it costs us, our greatest desire should be what? It should be for us to do what? It should be for us to bring praise, to please the Lord in all that we are doing. The third thing I'll ask you to repeat after me is this, say freedom comes when prayer and praise define us. Now this portion of scripture, some of you may be very familiar with, but it is, it is to me one of the greatest portions of this passage here. I love this. And so it goes on to tell us in verse 19, it says, but when her masters saw that their hope of profit was gone, again, this woman was one of influence, they were making profit off of her, they seized Paul and Silas and dragged them into the marketplace to the authorities. And they brought them to the magistrates and said, these men, being Jews, exceedingly trouble our city. And they teach customs which are not lawful for us, being Romans, to receive or observe. Then the multitude rose up together. Now, I just want to pause for a moment because I want you to realize that the accusation was false, was it not? They weren't teaching. They didn't care what they taught. They cared about one thing. They brought deliverance to their cash cow. Hello, somebody. That's what they did. They brought deliverance to the woman who was bringing them their money, the one who was making them the profits. What did he do? They, 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 he simply cast a demon out of her, and when that happened, you know what? They were like, no, 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 this guy got to go. They got to go. They're messing with our money. Hello? It goes on, and it tells us what? Then the multitude rose up together against them, and the magistrates tore off their clothes. They're so indignant and upset right now. Commanded them to be beaten with rods. And when they had laid many stripes on them, they threw them into prison, commanding the jailer to keep them securely, having received such a charge. He put them into the inner prison and fastened their feet in the stocks. And so I don't know if you can tell this right now, but this was, to say this was uncomfortable would be an understatement. These guys were falsely accused, they were falsely convicted, they were beaten, they were falsely in prison, and listen, they could have given up. To say that the deepest part of the prison was uncomfortable would be an understatement. I mean, these guys were just beaten. I mean, they were hurt. And they get locked up in here. Their feet are tied into these things. And I mean, these guys are in bad shape. But look what the text tells us. The text tells us in verse 25. It says, but at midnight, Paul and Silas were praying and singing hymns to God. And the prisoners were listening to them. Suddenly, there was a great earthquake. You know what? I just encourage you one time, whenever you have the time, go through the book of Acts and just look at how many suddenlies you see in there. There's a lot of suddenly things that happen. Suddenly, God does this. Listen, I told you last week, and if you think I'm lying, I said, man, we need to start praying about being shocked. I have been praying, God, shock us. God do things in this earth that shock us, that completely make us be with our mouth open like, wow, God did that. Like, like beyond just the breakthroughs that we need and the things that we need in our lives, but that God would begin radically moving in our days. Listen, I believe that God, the same suddenly God that was there is the same suddenly God that is now. 
The same God who just suddenly did stuff, who suddenly walked into rooms, who suddenly filled people with the Holy Spirit, who suddenly healed people, who suddenly walks into this place right here and brings complete deliverance to them. That same God is the same God that you and I serve today. Verse 26 says, suddenly there was a great earthquake so that the foundation of the prison was shaken and immediately all the doors were opened and everyone's chains were loosed. And the keeper of the prison awakened from sleep, seeing the prison doors open, supposing the prisoners had fled, drew his sword and was about to kill himself. And so just pause because what happens? This earthquake happens. The foundation of the prison was shaken. Immediately all the doors were open and everyone, not just some peoples, not just Paul and Silas, every prisoner that was in there, their chains were loosed. The guard comes running in to kill himself, but Paul called with a loud voice saying, verse 28, do yourself no harm for we are all here. Then he called for a light. And it's funny because I think about it, man, if a prison today, the doors were to open, I can assure you that the prisoners would not be hanging out to be like, yo, are we good to go? Like they may stand there for a few seconds, right? And they'd be like, oh, we're out. We are gone. We are, we are running, right? These people, they were shocked. They were like, whoa, what just happened? Because they experienced the miracle firsthand. They felt the earthquake. And they knew, listen, they, they may have, I don't know, they may have felt the earth move before, but that did nothing to their chains. Are you here? It didn't do anything to set them free. It didn't open the doors that were in front of them that were holding them back. And yet they're all there. And then it, say, and then it says this in verse 29. Then he called for a light, ran in, and fell down trembling before Paul and Silas. And he, and he brought them out and said, listen to this, Sirs, what must I do to be saved? Church, how did he even know he needed to be saved? How did he know this? How did he know that he was lost? How did he know the question to ask? He didn't go through some theology class, right? He didn't go through some onboarding to a church membership. He didn't do anything like that. But he knew to ask this question. And I'm, gonna, I'm going to impose what I think in the text here. But one is that obviously Paul and them were throughout this city preaching the gospel. So he had heard this message throughout there. But I also want you to understand something that I think is so, so necessary and crucial. It is that they understood this, or they heard this. The scripture says that at midnight, Paul and Silas were doing what? They were praying and they were singing praise. They were praying and they were singing praise. And so you know what it says? Everybody was listening. All these prisoners were listening. I can assure you, I've worked in a detention facility. You know what happens when there's noise going down the hall? There's noise going on. There's noise going on. You know what you're doing? You're listening. You're paying attention to what is going on. And this man came to them and he says, what must I do to be saved? Why? Because God did something suddenly. Because God moved in a way. You know what, church? This is why we need these suddenly moments. Because we need people to encounter the power of God. We need people to encounter the convicting power that God is real, that God is true. That you, Listen, that you cannot give glory to science. You cannot give glory to, to anything other than God, that God did that. And then people's hearts are humble just like this man's was. And what is their response to them? So they said, believe on the Lord Jesus Christ and you will be saved, you and your household. And I've shared this text before, but I want you to notice what he says here. The response that Paul gives is believe on the Lord Jesus Christ and you shall be saved. Can you just get the depth of that right now? 
believe on the Lord Jesus Christ. The depth of that is that he didn't give them some formula. He didn't say you have to do all this or do all that to be saved. He said, believe on the Lord Jesus Christ and you shall be saved. That was it, church. There wasn't some man-made prerequisite to declare you're saved. It was this. Do you believe on the Lord Jesus Christ? Do you believe that he is God come in the flesh? Do you believe that he died, really died on a cross for you and your sins? Do you believe that he rose again? Believe on the Lord Jesus Christ. You know why? Because belief in that changes the way you live. But that isn't what Paul said. He didn't say believe and then change the way you live and then I'll tell you you're saved. That isn't what he said. He actually went on and he upped and he said this. He says, not just you, but you and your household. If your household will believe this gospel, guess what? They'll be saved too. This salvation isn't just for you. This salvation is for all of you. This salvation is for your family. This salvation is for the nation. This salvation is for the Gentile. This salvation is for all men who will bow their knees to Christ. That is what the apostle says to them. And so my question for you is this. In this place, do you believe? Do you believe what the scriptures say about Christ? Do you believe what the scriptures say about our Lord? If you're listening online, do you believe what the scriptures teach about Jesus? If you believe, you will be saved. That's the promise of the scriptures there. That's what God says. He will save you. The scripture goes on to say in verse 32, it says, Then they spoke the word of the Lord to him and to all who were in his house. And he took them the same hour of the night and washed their stripes. And immediately he and all his family were baptized. Church, this is what happens in suddenly moments. In suddenly moments, God walks in and he flips the family upside down. In suddenly moments, God walks in and he changes the destiny, the eternal destination of a family. Because what? Because it was a suddenly moment. Because there were people who were named Paul and Silas in this moment who chose what? They chose this. I want you to get this when you talk about suddenly moments. We cannot make God do anything suddenly. Are you here? (laughs) That's why it's called suddenly. Because it's something we don't control. It's something we don't dictate. Listen, we can't even guarantee. I want you to get this really quickly, and I'm I'm almost wrapping up here. But this, this text here for us is descriptive more than prescriptive. What do I mean by that? Is that I'm not going to guarantee you that if you do A, B, C, and D, that this is what is going to happen. I can't guarantee you that. But here's what I want you to notice. God chose to move in that mighty, miraculous, suddenly way. You know what Paul and Silas chose to do? They chose to pray, and they chose to praise God. That's what they chose to do, church. You know what our choice is? Our choice is either A, to praise and praise God, or we don't. They could have given up. They would have been well within their right to give up, but they chose not to give up. Our choice, our choice has to be that we are going to praise God. And here's my closing question and my closing or my closing questions for you. First of all is this, are you free? Are you free? Second question is, are you setting others free? And I told you that I would go back to the beginning with Paul and, si- and Timothy. And there's one thing that always stands out to me with Paul and Timothy is that when Paul comes to Timothy, Timothy is already a believer. He is already following Jesus. And still Paul takes him and circumcises him. Now that's crazy, y'all. You want a lower church membership, say circumcision is a prerequisite. Hello. And I guarantee you every man, anyway, <laughs> it'd be like, that's not my church. That's not the one for me. And then I always wonder, it's like, is there like a drop your pants test or something that the Jews have that I'm unaware of? I mean, I'm not trying to be crude. I'm just like, how do you know? Like, you know, I mean, are, are we walking around like, hold on, check. We got to check you, bro. I, I don't know. But anyway, the point is, here's why I bring this up at the end about freedom. 
is because the truest, listen now, the, the truest measure of your freedom is that nothing holds on to you. Listen, he was willing to give up his liberty in order to do what? In order to glorify God and to make sure that the Jews would be able to receive his words. Now think about that. When I ask you, are you free, are you really free? Are you really walking in the freedom that God wants you to walk in? I don't know what you're bound by. I don't know what you're struggling with. But I do know this, that God is a God who sets people free. Today's a day that you can be free. And if you're in here and you're not free, God wants to set you free. And you know how that starts. If you're not a believer, it is by calling upon the name of the Lord, the way the scripture says. If you are a believer, it's by you confessing where it is that you are not in freedom. And I'm going to pray for you today that God's spirit would do something great. But here's the thing that I want you to also know is that God doesn't want to just set you free for you. He wants to set you free so you can set others free. Amen? So I'll stand on our feet. Let's pray together. Just bow your heads right there where you are. And, I just, and, and listen, I, I just I ask you to bow your heads. I ask you to close your eyes really quickly. And I, and I want to pray specifically. If you're in this place and you recognize that you're not free, that there's some things, maybe it's bitterness, maybe it's unforgiveness, maybe it's hatred. I don't know what it is, what, what, whatever. Maybe it's depression, discouragement, whatever it is that has you bound. Maybe it's sin. Maybe you're bound to pornography. Maybe you're bound. You're, you're a person that's bound to lying. You struggle telling the truth. Maybe you're a person that is bound in gossiping and judging others. I don't know. But if you are in bondage today, and you say, God, I want to be free because I want to set other people free. I just want to see you just raise your hand right where you're at. I want to pray for you specifically. Thank you for being honest. Thank you for raising your hands. Thank you for being bold right now. You can put your hands down. Grab somebody's hand beside you really quickly as I pray. As you grab that hand, you don't know if someone raised their hand before, before the Lord, but, but, but God does. And I want you to pray as though that person beside you raised their hand unto the Lord. Be a vessel of deliverance to them right now. Father, we come to you in the mighty name of Jesus. And we humble our hearts before you. And Lord God, today we recognize, Lord, that we are serving a God who says in his word, he who the Son sets free is free indeed. Your word says where the Spirit of the Lord is, there is liberty. And so at this moment, God, you saw every hand that was lifted before you. And God, they're saying they want to be free because they want to be liberators to others. And so now, whatever it is, Lord God, that has them bound, whatever it is that has them in bondage right now, I pray that you break it in Jesus' name name. I pray that you would set them free right now in Jesus' name. I pray that you would heal brokenness in hearts. I pray that you would bring forgiveness, Lord God. I pray that you would uproot bitterness, my Lord. I pray, Heavenly Father, that you would bring deliverance to these lives, that your sons and your daughters would know the freedom that there is walking with you. Today, I declare it done over each and every one of their lives. May they walk in the fullness of your power in Jesus' mighty, mighty name. And if you believe that, say amen. amen. Come on and give God a hand of praise.